there is one thing that I wanted to say pertaining to PM Lee 4G, PM Lee's legacy. One of the things that Singaporeans like to see, right, one of the things that Singaporeans like to see is if LKY was around, this wouldn't have happened. Any incident, right? These are the ones who actually uh, like the like Lee Kuan Yew more than they like PAP, right? So they they are extremely respectful of uh, Lee Kuan Yew and would never criticize uh, Lee Kuan Yew, but they would uh, criticize. They are happy to criticize the PAP after Lee Kuan Yew, right? So one of the things they like to say if the PAP, if Lee Kuan Yew was around, this wouldn't have happened, right? I've heard this over the past few days as well, right? Someone said to me, "Oh, I never thought." I would live during a time where there was a corruption scandal in PAP. What? Do you know that that happened also under Lee Kuan Yew? As I said, you can legislate for these things, right? Um, I give another example. During the presidential election in 2017, hi Zach. So in 2017, um, the reserve presidency. Uh, there was uh, when race was a factor was a race factor uh, a lot of people who were against it said oh if Mr. Lee was around he would never have let race matter in elections have you taken a look at your own constituency do you know about the GRC that happened during Lee Kuan Yew's time but the tail end of Lee Kuan Yew's time but it was discussed then and he was supportive of it um, and he led it uh, so I think we cannot rewrite history, right? And when we rewrite history, we create again an unnecessary standard to be met or for the current leaders to be judged against. And uh, Lee Kuan Yew's uh, legacy, of course, it's uh, you cannot dispute his legacy. A lot of the good things that happened in this country was uh, happened uh, during his time and because of him. It was continued. And his legacy was institutionalized in a lot of institutions, including the PAP. The PAP has survived Lee Kuan Yew, right? A, a post-Lee Kuan Yew era, right? So it's not as if we're entering a post-Lee Kuan Yew era in 2023, right? So, so of course, while acknowledging that, there, there is no perfection this side of heaven. I cannot believe that. Uh, <laughs> I'm quoting uh, ambassador, former Ambassador Bilahari Kausikan, but he liked to say that, and I completely agree. We are not perfect. He says we are not uh, there is no perfection this side of heaven, right? And we we were not perfect under Lee Kuan Yew as well, right? So there were things that happened, and Lee Kuan Yew dealt with them. As I said, there is no way to legislate for these things. He said that himself, right? Go and take a look at his videos, right? Teaching one case, uh, Pei Yukok, and so on. In fact, uh, now of course, and this happens. It's not unique to Singapore. Everywhere else as well. Um, that we mythicize or romanticize older leaders that we have an affinity with, right? But if you look at Lee Kuan Yew's vote shares, right, before he uh, stepped down as Prime Minister, 1980, 77.7% votes. 1984, 64.8%. 1981, 63.2%. Uh, not, sorry, 1988, 63.2%. Uh, so, 
final general election before he handed over to uh, ESM Gochoktong, 63.2. And of course, uh, Gochoktong's one is 61, right? So, uh, 64 to 63, and of course, it, it went down again. It went down again. Uh, but it was already on the decline, right? So, and that happened under Lee Kuan Yew. That vote share was uh, decreasing. What's what's my point? My point is we cannot romanticize the past and um, judge Lee Sen Lung, or even worse, if we judge, we judge um, Lawrence Wong by a version of Lee Kuan Yew that didn't even happen, right? Uh, so we we must be we must be careful and we must be fair also when we are judging, right? Uh, and we we cannot use the stick to be and I, I just just final word on this right I, I i am not so arrogant right to think that i know lee kuan yu better than his eldest son right i am i don't have that arrogance in me so that's a yes good old days bias indeed this is a bias of human nature um so we need to acknowledge it i'm done with part two so if you have comments other than me quoting ambassador Villari, uh, megan uh, feel free to type them in or if you have questions about this about this particular topic I'll take the questions now before I move on to the third one which is the GRC system okay no comments or questions so I'll move on GRC system okay so now there are six empty seats in parliament right? Raisa seat SM Tamans, uh, Leon, Tan Chuan Jin, um, S Iswaran, Cheng Li Hui. His six seats, and who knows, as I said, whether there are going to be more seats. What does this tell us about the GRC system? Yes, uh, it's not, uh, yes, Audrey, somebody got it. My brother in law uh, made this for me. Tetarik with wallet. Some much. I'm, I'm not selling it yet because nobody will buy. So, what does that tell us about the GRC system? And PM Lee said that that's the advantage of the GRC system uh, because somebody else can cover for uh, for that. Uh, he said this in uh, the presser. Um, I think there are questions to be... Uh, by the way, I am supportive. I was supportive of uh, the GRC system. So I disagree with the opposition on this. I disagree with WP and SDP and so on. I've mentioned it before and those who follow the series will know. But I do think I do think that we need to we need to think about um the GRC in the sense that if somebody leaves and a by election is not required, a by election is only required when everybody leaves, right? Uh, of course if you want to have a by election can but it's not required. But an SMC if you leave then uh, the by election is mandated, right? Prime Minister has discretion when, not if, and that's what the court ruled, when, not if, to call a by-election. So, now, if I voted for five MPs and one of them leave, that means I am underserved. There's no way getting around it. I am underserved. One of the five that I voted for, and that's based on population size already, right? So, it is a... It is a loss to the voters there. Right? It is a loss to the voters there. 
the matter is compounded if it's the head of the GRC that left. And SM Taman, I think I think it's uncontroversial to say. Uh, the PAP team gets the most votes in Jurong because of SM Taman, right? I've made this uh, uh, claim before uh, in in my class. Usually, I I don't know whether I've said it said it in previous episodes. But if any four of us here were running, any four of us here were running, right? me, um, Lily, I'll just read the names. Audrey, Mirza, and Darren. Uh, four of us, any four of us, right? Were running with SM Taman. We would be members of parliament as well. We would be members of parliament as well. And I am not saying anything about the other MPs in Jurong GRC. I, I like uh, SPS Rahayu a lot. I think she's extremely intelligent. I like her a lot. I think she she's a good MP. Uh, she She would probably win on her own as well. But you cannot deny the SM Taman pulling power, right? That's that's my point. So, I think we really need to consider this. And what are the ways... Like, for me, the constitution now requires that the GRCs be 3 to 6. Even though now it's 4 and 5. But uh, it can be minimum of 3, maximum of 6, right? At the very least, if we do not want to change the constitution... Uh, I say we go back to three, right? But but I would go one step further and I say retain the GRC but have two person GRCs. A two person GRC, and if somebody lives in that, you uh, somebody lives, you call uh, for a by election, right? Now, why am I in favor of the GRCs? I think the opposition cannot have it both ways or people who disagree with the GRCs cannot have it both ways. You cannot say that racism in Singapore exists, however racial voting doesn't exist. You cannot say race matters and even if racism doesn't exist. Race matters but uh, elections don't... Um, race matters but... Uh, uh, race matters in life however it doesn't matter in elections okay so i think you cannot have it both ways uh so we we need to we need to think about that uh, the two person grcs i think it's a uh, uh, it's definitely something i am in favor of is definitely something i advocate Okay, so that is what I have to say about the GRCs, uh, and I think uh, the concept, uh, the concept I would like to retain. I am uh, with the PAP on this. Uh, I think it does encourage multiracial campaigning, in addition to guaranteeing minority representation. And I think, uh, looking at the examples of other countries, the multiracial campaigning is something that we cannot. Um, we cannot over uh, we cannot underemphasize it's really crucial i think yeah. okay so how would the town council system be factored into two member grcs um it's not a uh, it's not a town council for me is not so crucial town council was created after the grcs if you have the grcs you can amend the town council system as well uh, the two-person GRC was suggested by uh, Jofri Mahmoud during the debate. I don't know whether it was suggested by him. 
if you are referring to the same debate that I am in that what he suggested was all SMCs so Jufri Mahmoud suggested uh, all SMCs and uh, Jufri uh, said that some of the SMCs the ruling party has the prerogative so if the ruling party uh, feels a Malay the opposition has to feel a Malay as well if the ruling party feels an Indian the opposition has to feel an Indian as well that was his suggestion in that debate in your version of two people GRC do you think it will be difficult to find enough minority candidates there's no difference it's not 50% minority by the way okay so uh, let me let me clarify so let's say there are 90 okay let's use 100 okay let's use 100 seats there are 100 seats 14 of the GRCs are reserved for Malays so 14 times 2 there will be 28 seats why 14 because 14 percent 14 to 15 percent are Malays so 8 percent 8 to 10 percent are uh, Indians and others so let's say we use a 9 okay 9 times 2 so there will be 18 so there will be 9 Indians 14 9 Indians or others 14 Malays so 28 plus 18 this is 46 so you have 54 SMCs so you have the GRCs 2% GRCs only the number that's proportional to their race okay so it wouldn't be it wouldn't be 50% exactly yeah so it wouldn't be all GRCs it will be the rest all will be SMCs and SMCs Indians Malays anything can can contest and it doesn't matter just as now just as we have it now right just that we have few uh, having an equal number of so there's a question yes at the GRC is one Chinese one minority yeah so Trevor asked what about having an equal number of four member GRCs coupled by equal number of SMCs um, I think a two member GRC still takes away a lot of the problems of the GRCs you know riding on the coattails and and this you know uh, resigning and so on and then it's clearer that you you need a by-election should the mayor take over the responsibility? The mayor, the mayor position for me shouldn't even exist, right? So, uh, so definitely not. Uh, what should determine whether a precinct is a GRC or a SMC? That's a very good question. So, um, the president decides, uh, of course, in consultation with uh, the relevant government agencies. Uh, the, gov uh, the president gets to allocate the GRCs, right? Whether it's um, Indians or Malays, uh, or other, uh, in Malays or Indians or others. So, and that's usually based on the proportion. Even though there are there is a, an upper limit, right, of Malays and Indians in a in a GRC, there are some areas with more Malays, some some areas with more Indians. Relatively. All of them would still be minorities in their own areas, but relatively, right? Uh, so I think that would be, uh, that should be the way. Based whichever GRC has, whichever area has more Malays or minorities, those are relatively more, okay? Because they'll never be more than 50% or even 40 uh, plus percent. So relatively more, those should be the ones with GRCs, right? What about local government elections? I'm not sure what you mean in this in this regard, right? Uh, Singapore having local government elections, what do you mean? 
we don't have local governments in Singapore, right? Uh, so that that seems like a Malaysian or an American thing. Any more questions about the GRCs? Based on population number in the area, you can just draw according to however it is, right? You can carve out an SMC based on technically if you want the entire map to be SMCs you can just make them according to the same population size unless I'm not understanding your question uh, Rebecca is there a likelihood or must for two Indian MPs to replace the two outgoing ministers well in SM Taman's case uh, let me just check Jurong GRC it's probably Indian and others right uh, so I have it in one of my notes uh, but in any case I'll take the more independent elections what are your thoughts on I'll get back to that um, there was a suggestion to uh, instead with the loving critic instead of GRC suggestion to introduce two houses in parliament I'm not a fan because usually uh, in the Westminster types the upper house are selected they are not elected based on something so I I'm not a fan of that right for me a lower house all elections much easier okay by the way GRCs with one member belonging to Indian or other minority communities currently Amokyo, Holland, Bukit Timah, Jurong, Nisun, Tanjung Paga and West Coast so in Jurong yes there needs to be a replacement um, what's what's the other one that you're asking Aljunit no you don't need uh, you already have Faisal Manap there. Sengkang, yes. You need a uh, Malay. Do you think short staffing will occur with two people GRCs? What do you mean, uh, Sharon? I'm not sure what you mean. Town council should be separated from the parliamentary process and be elected se uh, separately via municipal elections. I am not opposed to it, but that's not, to be honest, that's not something I would campaign for, okay? That's not something I would campaign for. Oh, suppose you are not a fan of the NMP and NCMP positions. I don't know how you came to that conclusion. The Maverick Travel. Uh, I am quite a fan of the NMP uh, position, which I'll get to. Uh, the NMP scheme, I'll get to uh, later on. NCMP, I'm more agnostic about it. Uh, I think it's it's okay. I would be okay with it being removed. I'm okay with it being uh, being there as well. So I am uh, agnostic about that. How would mixed race families factor into such a system? That's a good question, especially since 25% of marriages, I think, or close close to that, uh, mixed marriages. So officially, you just because now. Now the the child can also choose later on, right? So if you're double barrel, you can choose uh, whether to have one, whether uh, you want to remove one later on, or whatever it is, right? So you can choose, and I think uh, as long as you choose, you have the choice to choose. And after that, that's how you should be identified with, right? If you choose the double barrel, then the the I think the convention is you choose the one the government uses the one that is first but for me you can expand that as well uh, you can belong to either either one technically technically my uh, my uh, my son is a, a mixed 
mixed son, mixed race son, right? Uh, so I'm Indian and my wife is Malay. So he uh, will be double barrel as well. Oh, so based on nominated in individuals serve in the initial question of a upper house. No, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of uh, the upper house. The NMP scheme, I think I will. Uh, I have some suggestions as well about what I think is right and what uh, I think is not right. Now, so uh, Sharon's question was, is it more effective? You mean administratively? Yes, probably. Uh, it would also be more efficient administratively to have maybe 10 people GRCs, right? You pull resources, right? But what we want to do is to create a system that is more democratic, right? More democratic while maintaining safeguards for minorities, for instance. And I think the efficiency of town council is such a minor benefit that can easily, easily be overcome, uh, overtaken by the benefits of having smaller size GRCs. Final question on on this before I move on to the role of speaker. And it's one hour already. I can trying hard to stay awake as well. Uh, Okay, no more questions. I'll move on to the fourth one. So the role of the Speaker of Parliament, uh, especially, and this is related to the hot mic incident, and um, people are talking about him being partial. Uh, it's uh, and of course that is the uh, that is the case. So uh, vivid sparkle. Should the NMP scheme be under the presidential office instead? Absolutely, absolutely. That that is one of my suggestions later, but I'll get to that. So the Speaker of Parliament, yes, the Speaker of Parliament must be seen to be impartial, right? So now, it is it is a fact that the Speaker of Parliament will come from the ruling party, and now the ruling party is a PAP, so that's, that's a fact. And so, the fact that you belong to the party, obviously you agree, you agree with the party's views and so on, right? So that's obvious, right? Uh, what do we do since that's the system? So one is it's incumbent uh, for the PM to nominate a speaker for me that is uh, respected across uh, across the aisle uh, and can get along with both the opposition and the of course will get along with the uh, part, ruling party but can get along with the opposition and the NMPs as well. Now, interestingly, the, our constitution doesn't require that the speaker be a member of parliament. Our constitution doesn't require that. So, technically, you can even appoint somebody else. The PM can appoint somebody else, right? Um, so, that could be a way to go. And I would be a fan of that. Especially uh, a judge or something, a senior judge, you know resigns and becomes speaker of parliament i would be a fan of that you know uh, he or she knows the law and so on however that is quite i think quite far away i don't know maybe maybe it can happen uh, one of the things uh, that we we can do and this is what i would like to advocate again it may be a pipe dream uh, but i think it's possible so in some countries like the uk if the speaker, even though the speaker comes from a party, if everybody knows that that person is going to be the speaker, right, or was the speaker, the opposition doesn't contest in that what? Okay? Doesn't contest in that what? Because we give it 
we want the the speaker of parliament to win without a contest so that it's more likely that the speaker of parliament will be impartial now that requires a maturity from both the uh, the ruling party and the opposition because if the the prime minister says i'm going to nominate this i'm going to nominate this person uh, then uh, you uh, the opposition says okay uh, i will not contest there right uh, but it has to be an SMC. It cannot be, oh, I'm going to nominate that person and then it's a 5% GRC and then anybody else, <laughs> everybody else come. It's not the speaker campaign says an independent. It's more of the speaker seat, right? So the speaker is there, opposition all know, then you do not, uh, you do not contest, right? Uh, there are a lot of people saying, me <laughs> as speaker, no, no, I have uh, uh, enough on my plate already, right? I don't, uh, so, uh, as in, yeah, on a more serious note, I think it must be someone with a more acute familiarity with the law. Right? So uh, that's uh, that's something that, of course, you can learn. It's not always that our speakers are lawyers, right? But I think I think it does help. Uh, they are still bound to hold biases, of course. Human beings, no one is bias free, right? No one is bias free, right? Now we are trying to create institutions to mitigate those biases. Right? Uh, we cannot, again, as I said, again I'm quoting him, there is no perfection this side of uh, heaven. Right? Make an exception for the speaker to resign as a party member without losing his or her parliamentary seat. Uh, so they have to contest in elections under a party and then resign and then in the next election what happens right so um i think uh the the best one the easiest one would be speaker contest smc the opposition do not contest that's it the speaker of parliament is a pretty powerful position right because you get to decide proceedings what motions get discussed and so on you can even ban MPs from Parliament if uh, you deem them to have broken some parliamentary law or statute and so on. You're also third in line to the, pre well, second after the President, right? So President and then the, the Chairman of the Presidential uh, uh, Committee, Council, and then uh, Council of Advisors. Uh, and if both of them are not around, then the Speaker of Parliament uh, becomes the acting President. So that's what I, I would suggest for the Speaker of Parliament. That's what uh, we need to do in order to make it more uh, impartial. Now, having said that, as I said, uh, that's heavy lifting. But in the immediate term, I think the PM should nominate somebody who can, uh, who has the respect of the opposition, right? who, who is nice to the opposition. And we know some MPs are more friendly to the opposition and others, I think, and the PM should choose someone from with that predisposition. Any questions on the speaker? So far, no. I have gotten no request for anybody to come in. Um, and we still have 180 people on, so so that's good. Okay, just two more. Uh, President, who do you do? Who do I think that will be? Uh, I don't know. Right. So the other thing. So uh, there is a, another side to this. If you put AI can handle the role, oh my god, like, please, no man, no. 
<laughs> no AI for all this. Um, so there is a uh, there is a conundrum when you take somebody away from uh, when you when somebody becomes a speaker, you are taking that person away from the MP position, right? Uh, from the normal MP position. So what happens is what happens is uh, so Arun, I got your request. I'll approve it in a while. So if it's a very strong person who's about to be on the front bench, then you lose a potential policymaker minister. If it's somebody who's a very good backbencher, so I would say, I would say, um, we uh, that happened with Madam Halima. She was Minister of State, and and we we lost that when she became Speaker. I thought she was a very good uh, person uh, in the was going to be in the cabinet uh, minister or should have been in the cabinet uh, the next one uh, the next uh, one if you if it's a backbencher it's a if it's a prominent backbencher uh, like Louis Ng then you use someone who's gonna advocate for us who who's gonna advocate for all the animals who's gonna advocate for uh, banning smoking from balconies if Louis Ng becomes the Speaker of Parliament, right? So I think we we need to uh, we need to bear that in mind. I'll accept Arun. Hi, Prof. Hello, hello. <laughs> Hi, yes. What do you have? Um, actually, I'm going back a few lectures. Huh? This is lecture three, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going back to lecture sort of one and two. <laughs> Um, so I, I guess I want to um, challenge what you said earlier about Isharan being replaceable. I think in the grand scheme of things, when you look at the entire 3G plus 4G together, I guess uh, there is a, definitely an argument to be made that he is replaceable. He's definitely not uh, uh, holding uh, MFA or MINDEF or MOF. Uh, portfolios at the moment, right? But when you look at it electorally, right? West Coast GRC with him and with um, uh, Desmond uh, Lee as the anchor ministers, they won. The, the 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 margin of winning was I think what one to three percent. Indeed, depending on where I look, it's either one percent or three percent, and. Uh, uh, that was with two anchor ministers, right? So now we don't yet know the result of how much political capital he will end up losing, but a lot of people feel that he already has taken some damage, right? Uh, and I guess at the end of the day, we will still have to wait until after the CPID investigations results are uh, released and, and then also finally when people actually vote. Because until until you see the votes, people can only speculate and guess. Yeah. But given that that is the case, and you now have Tarman not as an anchor minister, so there's no anchor minister there. Wouldn't you say that that is still a pretty important? Uh, I don't want to say loss because I, I that sound makes it seem like as if he's already not there. Uh, but uh, I guess I wanted to. No yeah. Thoughts on that. Uh, thank you. I think that's that's definitely true. Um, when I said uh, net 
net negative in terms of quality. I was really referring to importance to the party, right? So I was really referring in terms of Leon and Nicole versus those three, right? So I really think that. Uh, however, you are right as well, because uh, West Coast it was by the skin of the teeth that that the PAP won. What I would say is I am not sure whether PSP can replicate that because there was that touching box factor, right? That happened. Now it could be that they can replicate that, and touching box, you know, he can be a next Mahade, right? He can be a hundred, and he's still he's still going strong, right? Who knows, right? Some some people are just freaks of nature. You just have to accept that, right? Um, so he still seems healthy. He still seems strong. Um, so if he contests again, maybe maybe that can happen. And it's also interesting to see how Liang Manwai is is judged on the ground because you know in more elite circles, people like to make fun of him. He's a joke. He's a meme, and sort of. Uh, all of that, but we don't know, and we can put it to the test. And I think, definitely, if you ask me, is a PAP PS uh, PAP West Coast West Coast team weaker without his warrant? Of course, right? Uh, can they replace him uh, with somebody else? Probably yes, right? They they have a, a line of SMS senior minister of state, um, minister of state. Uh, although I, I was thinking just now, there was one element that I didn't mention, right? Maybe electorally it wouldn't matter as much, uh, but as a principle, as a principle for Singapore, it would matter a lot, right? Already there was some, and maybe a lot of people are unaware. Within the Indian community, there was some disquiet in the last election that there was no new Indian candidate, right? Yeah. You remember that, Arun? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and then now uh, we've lost... <laughs> Potentially, uh, I think likely one Indian minister also. So, um, so there there needs to be some renewal in in that sense as well. Uh, mm. But again, as I said, because the PAP has a lot of resources, uh, they probably can can be able. Okay, PAP probably will be able to replace Iswaran better than WP can replace Leon and Nicole. Where do you get another Leon from? In my opinion, yeah, Leon is almost at the level of Pritam. Right, he's that yeah. good. Almost at that level. Uh, so where do you get another Leon from? The most underrated MP, I think, in uh, in Singapore. So, uh, so that that was what I meant, and I I completely take your point. Thank you, and I think that's a fair critique. Uh, any other okay. criticisms? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, no, no, no. That that was not me. Uh, criticisms <laughs> I had. Um, I I think the other thing also, I guess, um, that was on my mind was the uh, uh, when you look at um the the scandals and this sort of political drama when you look at it from a historical point of view uh in my view i think they've been framed uh often as endemic to around opposition parties but as one of outliers uh when it comes to the pap right and uh there have been times where where uh, one could say that yeah you know it seems like there are certain points in time in Singapore's history where uh, there was a lot of drama and scandal and all these sorts of things that happened with uh, uh, surrounding opposition parties, but um, um, at the same time you can also say that uh, an argument could be made that yeah in 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 uh, with the PAP more often than not they have been one-offs they have been outliers because. Um, when they have had uh, scandals, more often than not, they tend not to be members of the CEC. 
more often than not, they tend not to be cabinet right. members. Uh, there are very few instances where it's a yeah. very senior person. Uh, Michael Palmer and uh, Te Chiang Wan were some of the only few, right? But over the last several months, all the stuff that's been happening, especially when it comes to the PAP, if more uh, senior members of the the PAP uh, team has been involved in backbenchers, at least uh, that we know of, right? Um, whether or not there were um, actual wrongdoing or not, like in the in the yeah. without stuff, there's no actual wrongdoing, but the public perception does matter a lot, right? They're involved, whether wrongdoing is done or not. Isheran, also full minister. Um, Tan Chuan Jin was a full minister and then now Speaker of Parliament. So technically, there's out of all the people involved, there's only one backbencher yeah. was involved. So I guess to what extent this relates to the, the handover thing that you're talking about, yeah. like 3G to 4G thing. So to what extent do you think this affects the 4G's moral and I guess social capital going into the next G? Yeah, uh, okay. So I, I want to address that there are two parts to that. One is the first and second. So firstly, I think, yes, it's true there is a public perception, but we still need to, yeah. we need still to separate. We need yeah, to separate. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think that uh, Min Shan and Min Palakrishnan is nearly at the same level as the others, right? Now, Definitely. if it was, if it was, then the PAP are in trouble, right? Because, uh, it, so, you, you know, you said there's front bench and there's uh, senior members, and it's true. Tan Chuan Jin and Ishwaran uh, are senior members. But they are senior members and they are senior members, right? <laughs> <laughs> they are ministers and then they are ministers, right? If it was yeah. PM Lee, uh, Min Chan, Min Teo Chi Han, uh, 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 Taman, if these were involved in a scandal, then the PAP is in trouble, I think, right? But mm -hmm. right now, I think they are not safe. As I said, uh, they have taken a hit. But because it's people who are more dispensable, Right to right. them, politically, politically. Uh, so yeah. I think yes, you, you are right. But Tan Chuan Jin, I don't think he's senior, senior. Right, Iswaran is not senior, senior. They are senior, more senior than Louis Ng, <laughs> but not senior, senior. Right, uh, to the point that it really, really goes to the heart of the PP. If it was Chan Chun Singh or Lawrence Wong, you know, the four G senior ones, right? Then I think that that would be more of a trouble. Now, having said that. As I said, it definitely doesn't doesn't help them. So there will be questions about that. Now, I am somebody, I am somebody who loves, uh, not loves. Sorry, I need to. Okay, is there any way to delete that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't love this. Okay, but I am okay with uh, high ministerial salaries. <laughs> okay, I okay because I live in the real world. Somebody say, oh, but. Uh, ministers need to serve from the goodness of their heart and public service. I live in the real world. People are mm -hmm. motivated by money. As long as that, that's not the only thing they're motivated by, that's fine. Right? That's fine. Uh, so all of us need money to survive anyway. right? So I live in the real world. I'm okay with high ministerial salaries. right? And I am still okay with uh, high ministerial salaries. right? Uh, however, I think there will be more questions about high ministerial salaries. Um, 
with insurance case, right? If it's if there's something, right? They say, hey, if it's to prevent corruption, right? Then, but people are still corrupt. Then what's the point of this, right? Now, having said that, I think it's a one-off this particular case. So I think we should still retain it. But I think there will be more questions, and those would be valid questions as well, right? Now there's a question. There's a comment here. It's like chess PAP gave up a bishop and a pawn in exchange for WP's queen and knight. It's not as if both of them are giving that up, right? Both of them, those things happen, right? So I think this uh, uh this is giving too much credit to both parties in terms of thinking strategy because sometimes you know shit just happens and the party has to deal with it. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. Right. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I, that. I, Exactly. exactly. Yeah. We just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah. Right. Thank, thank, yeah. thank you so thank much, you. Arun. Thank you so much. So, yes, 8% GST, that is another uh, thing that will be a factor, right, in the, in the next election. Now, presidential elections. Mm, I think the presidential election, go back to what I said earlier about the three, the three uh, groups, right? Uh, the groups, uh, the pro-PAP, the anti-PAP, and the middle ground. And I say it's 35%, 25%, and then everything between 40 to 45%. Right? So, um, now we do not know who will qualify, who will not. But assuming all three qualify. Assuming, right? So, SM Taman, she definitely qualifies. So, ta you have Taman, uh, you have Kok Song, uh, you have uh, George Go. So, if it was just Taman and George Go, it's clear, right? So, the entire establishment will vote for George Go, establishment will vote for Taman, and then the middle ground, some of them will go to Taman, some of them will go to George Go, right? It's very clear. Hi, Joel. So, if all three candidates are contesting, if all three candidates are contesting, I think uh, Taman will get that, the pro-establishment, but he'll also get some of the middle ground. Then George Go will get some of the entire establishment, but not all, because some of them will go to Angkok Song as well. Right? Uh, but Angkok Song will also get some of the middle ground, more so than George Go. Right? So George Go would, uh, would lose the most uh, from the the entry of Angkok Song. Uh, Taman would, would still win, I think. But what I would say is, SM Taman is the most popular, in my opinion, the most popular uh, candidate in um, the PAP politician. I would say PM Lee is maybe second, right? Maybe second or first. But it, they are in the top two. So, if SM Taman doesn't get doesn't get sixty to seventy percent, I would say if you don't get sixty five percent, right? I think that's that's a worrying sign, right? That's a worrying sign for the PAP, right? Because he is the very best they can offer with with some caveats, right? The caveat is one is in a presidential election, people are more willing to vote against the establishment candidate as opposed to a general election because more are at stake. Uh, more, more is at stake in a general election, whereas presidential election people are uh, able to to play more of their votes, right? Second of all, uh, it comes on the back of, of this series of incidents, so it's not really a, a referendum on Taman. 
it's a referendum on the PAP because people will see Taman as the PAP candidate. How badly will the vote split and affect Taman's chances? It wouldn't affect Taman's chances, I think. It would um, affect George Gilmore. Of course, as I said, um, Ng Kok Song would uh, get more of the middle ground probably. Why would he get more of the middle ground more than George Go? I think because he is more polished, right? And I think uh, brand Singaporeans are quite brand conscious. They do care about all of this. Now, I've interviewed George Go. I find him, um, he has an authentic charm about him. I like him. Um, and I, I think uh, I think there are some others who think like me as well. But probably a lot of people are still making fun of the way he speaks English and so on. Uh, so I would say probably Ng Kok Song is maybe the, the one who people see as more presidential. Right? That's why he would get more of the middle ground. Not that I'm saying George Go is like super anti-establishment or anything because he's not. he was an ambassador as well, right? How anti-establishment could he be, right? Uh, so the question, there are people speculating Ng Kok Song and George Go would not qualify and so on. I, I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, what I would say is we need a presidential contest. We need a presidential contest. After what happened in 2017, it is not good for the institution of the presidency. So to whoever is listening, we need to make the presidential contest happen. I really believe that. I believe SM Taman believes that as well. I believe SM Taman said that he wants a contest and it's good for the presidency. Uh, the institution of the president, and I do believe that. I do believe uh, that personally, right? Um, so Audrey said he explained that and presented himself quite well uh, with regard to the English handicap. I agree. I agree with you. I think we, we are in agreement. The question is uh, whether Singaporeans can accept that. And one thing I would say also is maybe as an MP, it's easier to to get away with that persona, not, not get away. In fact, it may enhance your persona as an MP. Right? As a president, maybe people are looking for something different, right? Uh, because the president, president really represents Singapore on the international stage and so on. That's all I'm saying, right? Here for the public holiday too, I'm, I'm all of you guys. Um, how do you think the PE, hi, Chiyun. How do you think the PE results would affect the GE which follows soon after and Not that the PE results would affect, but the PE results is a barometer of where the public is at. It is really a barometer of how much of the public uh, really support uh, the government. Now, and there are two, there are going to be two contradictory trends, right? One is, I would say Taman is pro not probably, uh, yeah, probably, I don't know for sure, but I think his popularity exceeds the party's popularity on average, right? If you take the average of all the MPs versus Taman's, I think Taman's popularity exceeds that, right? So you should expect him to get a higher uh, vote share than the PAP would have. However, because it's the presidential election, people are more willing to vote against uh, the the op, uh, the establishment candidate. So there is the other effect, right? So probably the latter is going to be more than the former, right? So I think the presidential election, it will tell us a lot about where public sentiment is at. That is what I would say. Can a 
president finish his or her term and go contest in GE, I still hope he becomes PM. Well, I hope I get $5 million dollars. Uh, from my Tetare episodes, right? Uh, we all can hope, uh, but we also need to <laughs> live in reality, right? PE is an individual contest, trade settles, said. so voters don't think of it as a referendum on the party. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, people do see the presidential election as a referendum against uh, the establishment. Uh, so, uh, why does George Go emphasize that he is independent? Right? Why does even Ng Kok Song in his Instagram post go and see? It? He emphasized the fact that he's independent, right? Uh, so I do think that you cannot separate the PE from public sentiment about uh, GE or about the parties. And we don't have to look any further than 2011, right? What went on in the GE, that was what uh, happened for the PE as well, right? So I think. Uh, Theoretically, the PE is an individual contest, but it's not, right? It's not. If people are not pleased with the government and establishment, should they then vote for Nkok Song to deny Taman a resounding victory? Um, uh, yeah, I think that that is what will happen. People who are not pleased with the government will not vote for Taman, right? But as I said, uh, there's still a significant amount of Singaporeans who support the PAP. That's just a reality. We cannot deny, and I think it's genuine support. We cannot say they have been propagandized and so on, and that's why they support false consciousness. I, I, I never, I never accepted that. You either believe in democracy or you don't. If you believe in democracy, you believe in a democratic outcome. So people choose, and I think people will choose Taman. I think I'm interested to see the margin of victory, right? So that that is what. Now, Ng Kok Song is not Tan Cheng Bok, right? Tan Cheng Bok was an MP. He was a PAP MP, right? So, obviously, 2011 will be different from uh, 2023. Right? So, do sport votes have any effect? Yeah, I mean, it has. I mean, I think in Jalan Besar GRC, that was the highest number of sport votes. I, I believe that was the highest number of sport votes in the 2020 election. Uh, but uh, it, it, it won't dramatically change the outcome. Won't dramatically change change the outcome. Just a note on three cornered fights. Some people have said, oh, why is Ng Kok Song entering, right? Uh, we should just have George Go versus Taman, a clean one-on-one -on -one fight, right? So again, you either believe in democracy or you don't. And let voters sort them out. Voters will uh, sort this out. Uh, I am never one to say, oh, three cornered fight, four cornered fights uh, are not good. Uh, whoever wants to contest, if they uh, earn the vote, they earn the vote. Nobody owes any party or any individual. And this is, I, I would say, my, my advice, my exhortation to Singaporeans. We do not owe any party, any individual, any vote. And the moment, the moment we say, oh, I support you unconditionally, that's where you lose your relevance as a voter. Uh, so either to the PAP, to the opposition, this is my approach, right? So it's never unconditional. Uh, so uh, I think uh, that is uh, the, the, the each of them have to earn our votes, right? So if there are more candidates, there are more candidates, right? Nobody owes anyone any vote. So... Uh,
Yeah, a few more questions. I'll just take one. Let's see which one is quite spicy. Okay, will race be a matter in the PE if all three are eligible? I.e. two Chinese candidates versus one minority. Now, I, as I said, I am of the opinion that race matters and it may not even be racism. Right? Racial voting is not racist voting. Um, so someone can have an affinity with a person uh, partly because of the culture, partly because of the language. And I think that's human nature to deny that would be would be a little foolish, right? Uh, however, Taman is no ordinary Indian. He's no ordinary minority. He's clearly a cut above many, many other people, right? Go back to episode one. What Yaak, uh, former Professor Yaakob Ibrahim, uh, former Minister Professor Yaakob Ibrahim, he said, and I agree with him on this, right? If you ask generically, you ask people whether you prefer a Chinese, you ask uh, Chinese, especially the older ones, you prefer a Chinese Prime Minister over a minority Prime Minister, they will say yes. But if you say SM Taman, then say yes. Oh, I'm okay with SM Taman. Because SM Taman, I think, does transcend uh, race. Hi, Jess. So Jess Chua, a former uh, an alumni of Tetare Iwale, she came on the show before. The PAP knows we need to have a contested PE. The fact uh, that Angkok so, uh, only indicates his interest now could... Could it be that they have decided George Go will not qualify for PE? I don't know. Uh, it could also be that they want George Go to contest. I mean, I I, I don't know. Uh, it could be a, a because him being in the race, then also the people who didn't want to vote for Taman, their votes will be split as well, right? So I uh, I'm not sure what to make of it yet. Uh, what I would say is, uh, if the PAP knows we need to have a contested PE, that is extremely positive, right? And I think the country needs it. I cannot emphasize it. The country needs a presidential election. Okay, that's all I have on the presidential election. I am happy, Trevor, if you're still around, to accept you. Oh, yeah. So so I guess, um, actually, I, got, I, I wrote down a few questions, but I, I don't think we have time to cover them all. Huh? But... Um, would you, do you think that, I think one question I have is, um, do you think that the campaign, the presidential election campaign itself, um, there's likely going to be some sort of televised debate, uh, if let's say there's going to be more than one candidate, um, and there'll be rallies and walkabouts, is there a chance that the campaign itself, or rather what happens during the campaign might throw off, might throw Taman off balance? And then, like, throw him off his game and make it him could, more vulnerable. If you're asking yeah. about possibilities, it could, yeah. of course. Anything is possible. But Tam, this is not Taman's first election. He's an old yeah. cat. He's been doing yeah. this a while. It will be yeah. the other two's first elections, right? Okay. If you're talking about campaign trip-ups, it's more likely that they will trip up, right? Okay. Um, so I just want to say that if there is going to be a televised debate, right? Mm. I offer my services to Channel 5 and CNA to be the moderator. <laughs> yeah, please and please in do. fact, please I'll do. go one step further. I invite okay. all three of them, all three of them to come on Tetare with Walid and I will be the moderator, right? The independent and neutral moderator. I, <laughs> I am happy to do that. Live audience with Dakota Dreams, I'm sure. Nick, let's go. We are, we are ready, right? We can do it at a humble place uh, in okay. um, at Dakota Dreams, you know. 
So we can do that. I'm sure Ito's books, Dakota Dreams, will be happy to host us. So I, I, I'm serious about that. I am, I am okay. only half joking. Yeah. So I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Uh, so what's your next okay. question? Uh, my next question is, you know, recently, uh, Sharon George and Kevin Tan wrote a com uh, Academia SG article on the elected presidency. I was just wondering what your thoughts are on that article. Uh, which part specifically, as in it should be the last? That's one. Yeah, you're saying. I think the overarching theme. Yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so uh, Chiran George, somebody I really respect. Uh, so uh, Kevin Tan as well is, is knows uh, knows his stuff. So it's hard to disagree with them. Uh, having said that, <laughs> I will uh, probably to to some extent. Um, having seen what has happened in the UK and what has happened in Malaysia, right? It does help to have a figure who's above partisan politics uh, as a national reconciliatory unifying figure. When Malaysia was going through whatever it was going through, suddenly like the Agung, the Sultan was respected yeah. and he was, uh, people were looking to him to solve this and he managed to stay above the fray. Now, yeah. the difference... I mean like buying fast food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buying fast food. Yeah, for the, oh, for the, the, for the reporters and so on yeah. and he was so warm to them and even the political parties were respectful to him, right? Yeah. The difference is in Singapore, so far the institution has been really tied to the ruling party, especially the past few presidents um, uh, and if Taman is going to win that makes it three in a row right uh, or and you, of course you had Hong Teng Chong was a party member before even though President Nathan wasn't but he was still broadly speaking part of the establishment right so if I think what needs to ha happen is to strengthen the, the independence of the presidency uh, rather than rather than uh, remove it. Not that I'm saying, Angie, to bring back the monarchy system. <laughs> Not a fan of the monarchy system. Sorry, uh, my battery 20% left already. So uh, I am not a fan at all. But I can see that the Queen was uh, widely respected, even by those who were anti-monarchy. And his son is not. Uh, her son is not. Uh, her son is not respected to that to that same extent. So that's the problem with the monarchy. Um, never believe, I've never believed in the monarchy, uh, so I am not advocating uh, that. But what, uh, what I would say is there is some value possibly in the presidency. Yeah. Any other? Uh, yeah, so, so actually just a quick follow-up to strengthening presidency, the presidency, just a bit of follow-up there. Um, so when you say strengthen, like, can you name like one instance where you think the presidency can be strengthened? Could it be, for example, um, when it comes to presidential pardons? Right now, I think according to Kevin Tan, uh, Prof. Kevin Tan, he said that the, the power to pardon is really on the advice of cabinet. So at the end of the day, cabinet controls that decision. But so in that case, do you think like, for example, in the case of pardon power, should that should the presidency be have more discretion as a form of strengthening the independence of the presidency for example yes i hmm. think so uh i think uh again professor kevin tan knows this uh, far better than i do hmm. i'm trying to think just uh practically if the president wanted to pardon 
someone and the president suggested to the cabinet would the cabinet say no as an end uh, i'm just thinking that it's probably not likely right that the cabinet would say no okay. uh, for on, on that thing so i don't know how much how big of a point this is uh, personally uh, for me uh, what i would say is it would help if we had presidents who were not associated or affiliated with political parties right or or maybe we have a a, a, a time period where okay if you resign then from a political party maybe you cannot contest for for the presidency for five years or something right in order for you to establish your independence something like that it doesn't have to be five years i'm just saying something yeah yeah uh yeah so so i guess so i just squeeze in one uh one, one more question and that's okay yeah yeah Domina. uh so this maybe shifting gears a bit um at this point uh okay although this is slightly sidetracking uh what about wp's chances going to the next election uh, this like this is not slightly sidetracking maybe in immediate term like um how much of a wobble i mean how, do you think wp can can probably uh how would it affect their chances in the next election like for example in east coast GRC. i mean since you talk about west coast possibly being affected by iswaran but with east coast GRC still going to be in play or presumably in play how do you think it will affect the campaign there yeah it will affect it tremendously affect it tremendously uh they got 48 percent because of nicole uh, there's no way mm. getting around that uh mm. so you can expect that since the nicole factor is not there they would probably lose some however okay. however um heng siket was promised as the prime minister right oh, yeah. how do east coast residents feel about that right now that he's not yeah. the prime minister right and that was the whole thing right like vote for him this is uh, crucial to the country and so voters may have something to say about that i my family lives in east coast i know they have something to say about that i mean i grew up as an insime yeah so um so i grew up there so i'm there most of the time 80% of the time so i think many people are asking these questions uh, so there will be some that it's interesting to see who else they will put in uh, east coast grc but make no mistake about it the wp is weakened by the loss of nicole okay uh this one, uh, one more you want to squeeze one more <laughs> yeah this is one more this is very last um this one's a bit more uh, a bit more specific uh actually i can i ask um when when it comes to I, okay i don't know how much you know about this but i know because presidential elections are non-partisan right um if let's say i wanted to volunteer as a for example, a polling agent or counting agent in a presidential election, it does not require me to. So, I mean, that that's what I'm doing is essentially non-partisan, right? Yes. Uh, I don't have to join. I, it's not that I have to sign on with any party organization. No, no, no. I just have no, to. No, no, not not party. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because the parties are not contesting. For the GE, yes. For the okay. GE, you need you need to be uh i mean the party nominates the polling agents right okay uh, and i know the parties a lot of them require you to wear their uniform or mm -hmm. their colors on that day for party morale and so on yeah okay 
Yeah. So for presidential election, actually, that's not yeah. either. So yeah. Okay. How, how many more additional questions do you have? <laughs> no, I think that's all because I mean I was just curious because I I, okay, I always okay. like to know what the precinct level results are. Right, right. Because right, which is very DLD important. Doesn't reduce very that. important. So the only but, way you yeah. know that is if, is to be a county yeah, agent of right. some sort. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think other than that, um okay actually just one more, I'm so sorry. Hey, one, one more, one more, one more. The third last one already. Okay. Yes. Yeah, one, <laughs> this is the last one, I'll stop here. Um you said that you prefer that uh PM go into the next election, uh, and and then hand over, hand over after that. Um, but I'm just wondering, given that this is, I think his sixth general election. If he goes to the next one, I think, or fifth or sixth general election, um, would he be out of ideas to campaign on at the next GE? Like, I mean, like you need a team to run on. So, like, I guess my 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 question mark is. Would he be out of ideas at the next GE? Like in terms, I mean, I know you said his legacy is secure, lah, and I also think broadly, that's the case. Like, I think things like five day week, many issue life, leader I, of the opposition. I, I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know what you mean by that question. Uh, would Tan Cheng Bok be out of ideas? No, 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 uh, not not touching, but I mean, no, why, uh, why not? The the uh, it will be the same. Like, um, it will be the same, isn't it? If he's run so many elections, why would? Yeah, no, no. What I'm saying is that would there be a okay? Although voters might appreciate his legacy, but uh, would would the PAP have harder time like running uh kind of a, a, a dynamic campaign, or would it be kind of like a recycled campaign? Yeah, I I or don't, don't think see, that's an issue? I don't see yeah I don't see that as an issue. So first of all, uh, uh I am a bit uh troubled by. Some trends where where we where we worship youth, right? And at the ex, uh, at the expense of experience and wisdom. Okay. So I am, uh, I think we mustn't Not go down. I think one of the right. strength one of the strength of Asians is we, we appreciate older people's wisdom, right? African proverb: um, All uh, young people walk fast, but old people know the road, right? Uh, so I think you need a good mixture of young and old for for a party to work. Uh, yeah. Second of all, it's not as if he's the only old person who's gonna be, uh, he's gonna be running, and then the, the the entire party doesn't have young people or something. So, so I don't think that's uh, that's gonna be an issue. However, on the part of uh, ideas, right? So the PAP strength is also its weakness. The PAP is a cadre party. It's a close party. You are invited to join the party. The party reproduces itself. This is a strength because it reduces. The possibility of fissures. It doesn't eliminate it. No system does, but it reduces. It's a weakness because the party reproduces itself. So, as I said, I said before when I did the episode with Megan, I think I don't see substantive differences between Lawrence Wong, Chan Chun Sing, and Ong Ye Kang ideologically. Maybe personally, of course, they have their different personalities because of the party structure. So, whether it's PM Lee or whether it's DPM Lawrence Wong or whether it's Minister Shan Mogam. SM Taman broadly, they are all similar in their ideology. So uh, I don't see uh, why it would be different if PM runs uh, or not. Okay, okay. Trevor. Yeah, yeah, I think that'll be. Thank all. you yeah. so much. Yeah. All right. Should meet, should meet for coffee, la. Okay. Yes, so, please. <laughs> okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks, bro. 
All right, so let's move on to the NMPs and uh, you can leave, uh, Trevor. Yeah, so NMPs final one. Uh, I've said before, I am a fan of the NMP scheme. Uh, based on the system we have, we have a, a dominant one-party system um, and the opposition also may not want to raise issues which are deemed to be too controversial and NMPs are in a better position to do so. Right? However, what I would say is NMPs need to realize this, this is the first thing. Second thing, there needs to be more transparency in how NMPs are chosen. Right? Who are the ones who submit their names? Why are they chosen? Why are they better, deemed to be better by the select committee? Chaired by the Speaker of Parliament, again another one of the powers of uh, the Speaker. The select committee, uh, I think there needs to be more transparency, you need to tell people why were these nine people chosen, right? Now of the nine people, two of them are friends of mine. One is uh, Raj Joshua Thomas, uh, he came on the show before. Uh, and the other one is, uh, I'm quite excited, Dr. Said Harun, one of the nicest guys uh, I know. Uh, so I'm quite happy for him. Um, he will be an NMP uh, this round. And NMP serve two and a half year terms, unlike NCMPs or elected MPs, which serve from election to election, right? So that one also, I find it a bit troubling because two and a half years, what can you really do, right? How many parliamentary sittings? Uh, I think it should just be a normal term. That's something that, uh, so two, uh, three suggestions I would say. One is make the NMP normal term, election to one GE to another. Second is have more transparency on how it's uh, how these people are chosen, the, num the names uh, that were submitted and so on. And the final one is don't put it under the parliamentary select committee, but you can put it under the presidency state. Now, Nabila here, Nabila said, agreed, it's way too opaque. And Nabila has a personal experience. She was nominated by the arts community, quote unquote community, because they are communities, of course, but she was nominated uh, by the arts community to be an MP in the previous round, not this one, previous round. Uh, but the select committee didn't choose her, right? And we don't know. We don't know why uh, she wasn't chosen, right? Uh, so uh, I do think that it's uh, it's too opaque and we need to have more transparency. Final call, anyone who wants to come on, final one. Uh, but when you have a last question, make sure it's the last question, not three more last questions. <laughs> if there is anybody. Uh, uh, if there's none, so five, four, three, two, one, okay. So there's none. Thank you so much. There are still, who makes up the select committee? So there will be an opposition member usually and the rest will be uh, PAP MPs, right? Um, so some argue NMPs are just made up of so-called elites or high flyers. Well, yes, the NMP is an elitist scheme. It's a bunch of elites choosing another bunch of elites. Yes, it is an elitist scheme, right? Uh, so it is, a non an undemocratic scheme, which I argue can be beneficial for democracy because, first of all, they, the NMPs, I think, they need to realize they have a lot of, okay, they don't have a lot of power in the formal sense, but they have power in the sense that their votes legitimize a particular bill or 
constitu- uh, not constitutional amendment, but the, uh, a particular bill uh, or a reading of a bill, right? And their vote, because they are non-partisan, their vote will be seen to either endorse or reject the government's suggestion or the opposition's one, right? Uh, so they uh, they are quite crucial in that regard, and I hope NMPs when they take on that res- responsibility, that mantle, they understand the gravity of their votes and their positions. Okay, if there's nobody else who wants to come on, thank you so much for hearing, listening. Uh, to I consider this group therapy, to be honest. Uh, but those are my thoughts for uh, what has happened, transpired in the previous weeks. Uh, I'll be happy to take it up with anyone. Sorry, I haven't been replying to people uh, because I had too many messages. I thought I'll just uh, address them in this. What has been a two-hour episode, okay, my longest episode so far, I think. Uh, so thank you so much. I'll see you uh, guys. And of course, there will be comments uh, non-stop. I cannot continue reading them. I'll see you guys next week where I have another Tetare uh, in real life uh, session at Dakota Dreams with uh, with um, Ethos Books. Thank you, everyone. Good night.